The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about child identity theft. And, you know, we've talked about identity theft on this show many times. But child identity theft is one of the worst because we've heard from so many people about their children, you know, becoming adults and then learning that they can't get any credit and learning that their whole life has been used by someone else. And it's a very scary situation. So we are going to be speaking with an expert about this. And he is uh, Joe Mason. And he lives in beautiful Virginia. And I see from his background here that actually he graduated with a BS from the University of Virginia. And I lived there and my uh, ex-spouse went to the University of Virginia Medical School. So we are we have that in common with the beautiful Charlottesville, Virginia. But let me tell you a little bit about him. He's Senior Vice President of Consumer Services of Intersections, Inc. And he's the General Manager of IdentityGuard.com. Throughout his career, Joe has played a really very important role in protecting the identities of well over a million Americans, and he's very passionate about protecting children. He's a father of two himself, and he has really worked on bringing um, a child identity theft out there in the forefront, along with many other people that we've been talking with on this show, and he's trying to bring it to a halt. Before he was working with Intersection, Joe spent nearly a decade at Capital One, many of you know that, credit card company, and there he managed their identity protection offerings and helped consumers understand the importance of protecting their personal information. As I said, he went to the University of Virginia and he got an MBA from the College of William and Mary, and he's also been featured on CNN, Fox News, ABC News, and many other regional and national media outlets, so excited to talk to him and so welcome it's great to have you joe hi mari so great to be here thank you for uh having me on your show right well you know we we both have you know been involved with things like child identity theft and all that how is it that really you got into more of a worry about child identity theft well, it's it's a good question, and, and being a parent, of course, uh, we're all concerned about the well-being of our children. Um, being in the space of protecting other people's identities, uh, it's impossible not to see certain trends that that occur. And one of those trends that I've noticed, and a colleague is, has noticed, and our business has noticed, and consumers unfortunately have as well, is a, a growing trend of child identity theft, and it's something that. 
five or, or ten years ago is something that really wasn't on the radar screen, and recently it is showing up in state legislatures and with the FTC, and it's becoming a real problem uh, in this day and age. And what I'm trying to do is raise awareness um, to parents and, and unfortunately let them know that, yes, in fact, there is one additional thing that they're going to have to worry about. Um, but there are steps that they can take to uh, to protect their children the way that they protect their children today. Right. You know, I've gotten many calls. One of the one of the most uh, disturbing calls was uh, from parents who had taken their child home, you know, from the hospital, and um, unfortunately, that child had died, and very sick child. And then they found out a couple years later that someone had stolen that child's identity. So it was not only identity theft of the deceased but of their deceased child and if you could imagine all that being brought up again that you know and i've heard so many cases myself of child identity theft how big of a crime really is it do we have some good statistics right now the the first um the first uh kind of sanctioned child identity theft survey was uh was was done and in fact the results were released uh, two days ago, and uh, what the findings showed is that one in about 40 kids at some time, at some point through their childhood, um, will be a victim of child identity theft. Um, and that's about two and a half percent of the children in this country, according to this study. The study was done by Javelin Strategy and Research, a company that's very um, well respected in this space. Um, and that is, you know, from the time of birth through the time that that child is 18 years old, um, two and a half percent are study found uh, likely to be victims of child identity theft. Uh, another stat, Amari, uh, was from the FTC. The FTC last year in the fall did a, uh, a very important forum. The forum was called Stolen Futures. And in Stolen Futures, what the FTC found is that 100, through a, uh, a, a service provider of theirs, um, 147,000 children were victims of identity theft in 2011. Um, the issue with those numbers, as the FTC will tell you, and as I will tell you as an expert in this field, and as you probably know, um, are that that particular number is probably understated by a large degree because those are reported cases of child identity theft. And the problem today is parents don't know, they don't have a good detection mechanism to know if in fact their child has been a victim. Yes. And and that's what's so disturbing as well, because we, we usually don't get a credit report, for example, until we're going to work and, you know, somebody will maybe ask for a credit report or we're trying to buy a car for our kid or whatever. They want to get a credit report and then you might see all of this. And people must realize that now, which is different from when I was a kid, I didn't get a social security number until I was 16. Now you get one right at the hospital. And it is stolen quite often at the hospital, unfortunately, because people leave these kinds of numbers around and the doctor's offices ask for this. And so now it's readily available. And so I think that's another big reason. I wanted to just let people know that also you're the author of Bankrupt at Birth, Why Child Identity Theft is on the Rise and How It's Happening Under Parents' Names and Noses. And yeah, people just um, 
are, are unaware of this. And then I know we get calls in our office about that. And then there was a study in California about how many uh, foster children. It's a very, it's even a higher percentage of foster children who become victims of identity theft. And that's become a, a huge issue in the California legislature. But let's get back to uh, what, what can parents really look for? What are some of the warning signs that they should be aware of? Well, some of the warning signs are, unfortunately, some of the obvious ones. Um, uh, Direct mail, credit-related, account-related, loan-related direct mail pieces that are addressed to the child. As you point out, um, children should not have credit at a young age. There is no reason for it, therefore they shouldn't have it. So when parents start receiving unsolicited credit card offers, for example, or similar offers, they should treat that as a red flag. Phone calls that are received in the house from creditors or collections agencies are another obvious sign. Don't discount that and just write it off as a wrong number. It could be the sign of something else that is going on. And then another um, example, and unfortunately many parents, uh, this is how they discover that there has been a fraud or a crime committed, is the moment in which that child becomes a, quote, adult, and they're with their parents and they're going to get their first cell phone because their parents believe that they're responsible and the cell phone's going to be in the child's name, or if they're going to rent an apartment and the apartment is going to be in that person's name or, or applying for a job, What oftentimes happens is when they are going into those situations, in effect, they are trying to establish some credit uh, with a cell phone or apartment, for example, and they're often met with, um, in cases where child identity theft has occurred, with surprise. Right. And the surprise comes from that particular creditor, the wireless carrier, for example, that says, Boy, we would love to provide this uh, this cell phone and, and cell phone service to your child, but we will only do so with some sort of deposit. And you know, parent scratches their head. Well, you know, help me understand that. And then it's well, due to the due to this person's credit, we are unable to X Y Z. And the parent says, Well, they shouldn't have any credit. What is this all about? And uh, and we know families, and I know families that this has happened to directly. And when the digging begins to occur. The crime, unfortunately, had been committed um, months or years prior to that child becoming uh, an adult. Right. So, you know, that's kind of the subtitle of the book, why it's happening under parents' noses. And um, some of the things they can do about it is just really pay attention to the red flags and the warning signs, um, some of which I just noted. And, and you know what? You are so right, Joe. Sometimes parents will just kind of disregard something like, oh, what a joke that is. You know, why Why are we getting this? What's up? Must be a phony phone call. Or, mm-hmm. you know, aside from credit identity theft, there's government benefit identity theft. And, and I remember a parent called me and their child's name was used by someone else. And there was that person was getting workers comp. Oh, sure. <laughs> so um, it can be a government, you know, issued ID that somebody gets in your child's name. It could be medical identity theft where they use your health insurance or they use your identity to get care credit. You know, I've heard all Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff, which I know you have too. So it's at some of the time you're going to be able to recognize this. uh, But the, the key thing that you were saying, Joe, is 
If you see something in the mail or you get a phone call or something looks weird, just don't disregard it. Call the numbers that you're, if you're getting a letter, call and find out what this is all about. And you might want to even get the credit report. One of the things that I've been telling people to do is actually try and create a credit freeze on your credit, on your child's credit profile, meaning create a profile and then get a credit freeze until that child's 16 so Mm -hmm. that you can just keep that on there and nobody can get credit. But that doesn't mean that they can't commit medical identity theft or the worst, one of the worst ones is criminal identity theft. Mm -hmm. I, I had a parent call me and their seven-year-old child, the, the police came to their house because um, someone in the neighborhood had stolen the child's identity theft and had committed crimes. So it could be anything, right, Joe? Oh, oh, it could. And you have illustrated some classic examples. And, and one thing, Mari, if it's okay, I want to highlight, and you, you touched on it earlier, but it's really important for your listeners to, to know and understand, is you said, you know, boy, when, when we were growing up, we didn't get Social Security numbers issued till later in life. And now, oftentimes, the papers are there when the child is born before the family leaves the hospital to create right. that. Right. And what has happened is, since 1987, if you are to file um, or claim a dependent on your tax return, that dependent needs to have a Social Security number. Right. And the reason the government did that is because a lot of people were claiming dependents that didn't exist, and the government was paying out money that they didn't technically have to. Right. So they said, all right, everyone basically that, uh, that is a dependent needs a social. If they are under the age of one and you want to claim them, that's when you get it. And, and the hospitals have made it easy, and the Social Security Administration has made it easy to, to allow that. But it was never intended, that Social Security number, which is the linchpin for all ID thieves, was right. never meant to be an, an, an identifier. Right. It was never meant to, to be used the way it's used today. It was simply used for Social Security reasons, and what we have turned it into is a, an identifier for you as an individual. Right. And it started problem, out for just, you know, for tax purposes, you had to use it, and now it's, you know, for credit. You know, the creditors right. want everybody. You're right. Everyone wants it, and um, it's used for plenty of legitimate purposes, don't get me wrong. But right. it's also used in a very reckless, careless manner by all sorts of organizations who, at the end of the day, really don't need it. My, my child's sports team does not need my child's Social Security number on a form that's been photocopied 20 times that you can barely read. But right. what do we do as a society? <laughs> right. right. We as a society, we, we say, well, you know, it's on a clipboard. It was handed to me by, quote, someone of authority, whether it's a receptionist at a doctor's office or, or the head coach of the sports team. And what do parents do? They tend to just kind of fill the form out and not challenge any of the questions. But guess what? We are, we are in a society where our information, like it or not, is extraordinarily exposed. And you, a thief gets a Social Security number of a child, and they create what we call a synthetic identity. Yes. They don't need to know where the child lives. They don't need to know the child's date of birth. They don't even need to know the child's name. They will create an identity bogus, fake, false identity, whatever you want to call it, based on that nine-digit number. And that's where people get in trouble. And and what's 
And a lot of people don't even realize that you could use somebody else's social and another name, like you're talking about the synthetic, where they kind of blend all these different things, an address here, a name here, and then the social. You would think, right? You would think that, okay, well, if they use a different name, it's not going to hurt me. But it always comes back to that social. Oh, yeah. Always comes back to that social. Right. And and that's that's a real problem. And, and the issue is, and, and people say, well, why the heck, <clears throat> why don't the banks, why don't the credit agencies, why don't they know? Like, why, why isn't there a, a date of birth that is matched to a Social Security number? So whenever that social shows up in any sort of institution or any sort of uh, government network, there is a, a freeze, to your point, or it's flagged to say, this is a minor, this is a, right. a, a child. Right. Those systems aren't built. So no. what the credit agency sees is the credit agency sees a social security number with a bunch of bogus information, and they treat it as a first-time applicant. Right, right. It's a clean. It's a clean social security number. It's not in our system, but guess what? It is now. Yes, yes. And they can get these bogus, you know, uh, government IDs that look really real. So they get a driver's license with that name. They right. get. They get. They put their own picture on there. And uh, these thieves are are very creative, and they are taking advantage of a of an easy system. That's that's absolutely true. Yep. So, what are some of the best ways for those people who are driving by who have children? What are some of the best ways that they can really try and safeguard that child's information? Uh, a, a few ways, uh, Mari. The one is just good old fashioned. Uh, call it good parenting. When when you and I and a lot of your listeners were growing up. We were taught not to talk to strangers, and that same thing holds true. But back then, it was more about kind of a stranger on the street asking you if you know you wanted if you wanted a ride or wanted uh, ice cream or whatever the case is. But now it's kind of this virtual stranger. You know, it comes from social media. It comes from people that you kind of encountered at the mall and. We're a very social society, so this notion of not talking to strangers is still something that parents need to instill um, with their children. Yes. Um, other things as parents, don't be so trusting of everyone that you encounter. Be very selfish with the information that, that, that identifies your child. And, and what I like to say is protect your child's identity the way you protect your child. Everyone can relate to the last part of what I said, the way you protect your child. We get the helmets on them, and we get them in the car seat, and we make sure they're buckled, and we give them curfews and this, that, and the other, and we're always thinking about protecting their, their physical well-being. But what we don't give a lot of thought to is how do you protect their identities and the data that makes up them as an individual and makes them unique. And once parents realize that the, the data that makes them unique is really, really valuable to an identity thief, yeah. they're more willing to say, oh, wait a second, I'm not going to be bashful when someone asks me to provide their social. I'm going to ask them, why do you need it? How are you going to protect it? And how am I going to be notif- notified as a parent in the event that there's some kind of data breach? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you'll get a kick out of this one. I had a radio show where I had five children, different ages. You know, I think the youngest one I had was 12 and then 14, 
15 and 16 that I did this show from kids around the country. And I asked them about what they do on Facebook, you know, and how careful they are. Oh, I don't talk to strangers Mm. on Facebook. So this one kid from Boston, I said, you don't talk to strangers. I said, how many friends do you have on Facebook? Oh, I have 750. I said, how many of those do you really know face to face? So, you know, when we tell our kids don't talk to strangers, the kids don't always get it. And the parents are not really that savvy as to social networking. So that's a real challenge is make sure that you get in and you see what your kids are doing on Facebook because they often will say lots of things about themselves, you know, where they live, all this, you know, when they're going on vacation, what their phone number is, what their cell phone number is. Oh, yeah. they, you know, and this is like, it's so scary. I mean, I have a Facebook account and I am so scared of some of the things that I see and I have to go offline and tell friends, even adults, they forget what they're saying, they'll say these, oh, I had the, I got a depression and I went on Prozac. And I'm thinking to myself, why would they put that mm-hmm. on, on mm-hmm. Facebook? So when what you're so right, Joe, about saying parents have to protect, but they have to think about what's happening with text messages, what's happening on social networking. It's, it's really hard to be a parent now, I think. Oh, it is. And let me tell you something, literally hot off the press. I got it today in my inbox from a colleague. He sent me this. He said, this is unbelievable. One of the big security companies <clears throat> just um, did a, a, a press release, and it was, it was kind of an article that was written in, um, <clears throat> in a security publication. And it showed how many kids are posting Photographs, not photographs that we tend to think of on uh, Instagram or Pinterest or even Facebook, but photographs, Mari, of their driver's license. Oh my God. Of their credit card. And the reason they're doing this, you know, I looked at this and my first reaction was, oh my God, that's insane. What, what are they doing? <laughs> but it's kind of like, it's almost like a badge of honor. You mentioned Facebook and the 750 friends. Yeah. The, the kids that I talk to and the teenagers that I talk to, the more friends means you're more popular. Right. And the more popular you are, boy, you can stick your chest out and say, look at me. I've got all these friends and I feel so great. And there's websites that even rate you on how much set social networking you do. <laughs> I mean, it, it is you're really, right. it's in, it is pretty insane. You're right. And then, you know, the posting of the driver's license and the credit card is kind of same sort of thing. It's a, yeah. guess what? I just turned 16. I got, got my driver's license. Here it is right. for the world to see. Right. Okay. Got everything uh, but the social security number, which a smart thief can kind of network his way back and say, right. this, this person probably discloses everything. It's not going to be that hard. Well, wait a minute. Remember, if they put their entire birthday on their Facebook, you know, like I have my birthday, oh, but yeah. I don't put the year. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you put up your entire birth date and where you live, there's an algorithm that determines your social security number, where you were born, I mean, where you were born and your um, your birth date and the town that you were born in and the state that you were born in, there's an algorithm that they can figure out your social security number. That is an excellent, excellent point. Now, that is is a known problem, and they are making the uh, Social Security Administration as well aware of this problem, and you're exactly right. If it doesn't take much to figure out, I mean, it it takes less effort, let me put it that way, to kind of guess a Social Security number if you know some of the things that you just described. 
Yeah. Because that's how social security numbers were generated back in the day. And it was a function of where you were born um, and, and when you were born. And now it's more randomized, so it's more difficult to do that. But for those of us that don't have the luxury of being able to have a randomized social security number, um, that risk also exists. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on Christmas. So what? how does child identity theft go up or does it go up during the holidays and why? Well, it's tough to say. We don't have a lot of research that says child identity theft goes up during the holidays. What we can say, though, is that, that identity theft in general goes up. Right. And what we find is we find a lot of card theft which is oftentimes, it's not name fraud. It's not me posing as Mari. It's more of, oh, there are a bunch of credit card numbers that are floating around the web now. And because I know that, because I know people are stressed this time of year and they're looking to buy things, you see a lot of websites that aren't secure. You feel, right. see a lot of websites that are bogus. You get right. emails. We call them phishing emails, which I'm right. sure you've talked about. Right. Um, phishing emails, they look like a great deal. Hey, go to XYZ store and get these great discounts on these sweaters. Right. And you enter information, and then all of a sudden it says, uh, site down, under repair, whatever the case is. And meanwhile, a criminal has uh, has taken your payment information, which uh, you've, I'm sure you've discussed this with your listeners before, um, losing a wallet or losing a, a credit card and having someone take that credit card and run up a bunch of charges, that's a big hassle. Don't get me wrong, um, but it's not true identity theft and not true identity fraud, but it often leads to that because people still keep a lot of important documents in their wallets and in their purses. Right. So be very, very careful with where you shop, both in the physical sense and online. And, you know, that's that's a really important point. And I want to just kind of piggyback on what you said, that, that legally you are never going to be responsible for any fraud that appears on your own credit report. You can get it off as long as you tell them within 60 days. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you. I mean, I'm not worried if my credit card gets lost. I am worried if my wallet gets lost because I have other things in there. I don't have my social security number in there. But, you know, like you said, you put together all these pieces of information. But if you do lose your wallet and you lose your credit cards, obviously you're going to take it. You're right. It's a hassle. you got to call the company. But it's not like when somebody literally takes your names and gets new credit cards and new credit lines and loans and care credit and commits criminal identity theft and medical identity theft. All those things are what we're talking about is really far worse than just credit card fraud. Without a doubt. Yeah. So uh, anyway, what um, what should be my first call if if let's say, well, my kids are grown, but what what if someone listening, what should be their, their first call? Um, in, in, the, in the event that they feel like their child has been a victim or know their, their child has been a victim, their, their first call should be to the credit reporting agencies to immediately put a freeze on that Social Security number so that no additional credit can be taken out. Right. That's step number one. Step number two is call the authorities. Make sure that your local police department um, knows about this. Yep. Treat it the way that someone, the way you would if someone broke into your home, because this is a legitimate uh, theft that, it, that has occurred and one of the fastest growing for the twelfth year in a row, reported by the FTC in terms of the um, the number one crime, identity theft. So make sure that the local authorities know about it, and make sure that any accounts that have been opened 
using your child's name are closed down. Make sure you speak to fraud specialists within those organizations and make sure that the reason for the account closure is due to identity fraud. Yep, and we are out of time, so they can go, and why don't you just quickly give your website? Sure. Thank you, Mari. Um, People can go to IdentityGuard.com, and uh, on IdentityGuard.com, we have a ton of resources for people. We've got a very robust resource center, which provides a lot of education. We've got services that protect uh, parents and children, and it's just a good place to go if you are interested in learning more about how to protect yourself. Right. And they can also go to the FTC website, ftc.gov slash ID theft. Thank you so much for joining us, Joe. We will stay in touch, and good luck with the, uh, with the great book you got, too. Thank you, Mari. I appreciate the time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Look at our upcoming guests, download podcasts, and tell us what's important to you about privacy in the information age. Thanks and stay safe. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.